0: Welcome to this special Conversations Shelter in Place episode of the Orbital Perspective podcast, where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more and slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis. But these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective Podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective. And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us versus them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now this is not an interview and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the orbital perspective.
1: T-minus 17 seconds and counting. 15, 12, 11, 10, nine, eight, seven, six, go for main engine start, main engine start, two, one, boost to ignition, and liftoff of the space shuttle discovery returning to the space station paving the way for future missions beyond hey
0: everybody welcome to another conversation sheltered in place i hope this finds everybody healthy and safe and uh, navigating this crisis that we call 2020. um this is, uh, I'm really excited about today's, I'm excited about every, I say that every, every, <laughs> every week I say I'm really excited because I am, but, uh, I'm, I'm especially excited this week because not only, um, do I have a fellow converser who's, uh, going to share a lot of really important information that everybody, uh, could benefit from, uh, but also it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and so I have, uh, I have the great honor of, uh, Uh, Bringing on board today uh, someone that I've uh, been able to do four spacewalks with uh, over the course of of my career and kind of served as my my mentor, as uh, my spacewalk mentor uh, on my first mission, Uh, and that's Mike Fossum. And uh, just gonna cover his bio real quick, cause it because c- it is impressive, uh, and it just it sets the stage for what we're gonna talk about because there's a lot of his um, experience that he's had that uh, I think is really applicable to navigating uh, not just COVID-19, not just the isolation, not just the the fact that we all live in a hostile environment but uh, also as an educator um, and uh, I know a lot of people are are thinking about what back to school is going to look like and so he he can talk about that but Mike Fossum currently serves as the Vice President of Texas A&M University, the Chief Operating Officer of the Galveston Campus and the Superintendent of the Texas A&M Maritime Academy. Mike joined Texas A&M following his retirement from NASA in 2017. Mike is the veteran of three space flights with more than 194 days in space and more than 48 hours in seven spacewalks, four of which were with me, uh, during during his 19 years as an astronaut. During his last mission in 2011, Mike serves as the commander of the International Space Station. He has logged over 2,000 hours in 35 different aircraft throughout the course of his career. Mike earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering from Texas A&M University and was commissioned as an officer in the U.S. Air Force in 1980. He's also a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School and has earned Master of Science degrees in Systems Engineering and Physical and Space Science. Mike was born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and grew up in McAllen, Texas. He is married to his Aggie sweetheart, the former Milani London, and they have four children and six grandchildren. And Mike has been a lifelong supporter and volunteer with the Boy Scouts of America. And so, please help me welcome uh, my spacewalking pal, uh, Mike Fossum, to the to the uh, to the conversation. Hey, Mike. Ron,
1: it's great to see you again, buddy. Are you are you ready? I'm. I was born ready.
0: <laughs> so we'll we'll start off with an we'll start off with an inside joke. So Mike and I, like I said, we've, we've done four uh, spacewalks or EVAs together. And I don't know, we, we've probably spent hundreds of hours underwater yeah. in uh, the NBL, the Neutral Buoyancy Lab, this giant pool in Houston, 40 feet deep. It's got a, a full, uh, full-scale full nice. mock-up of the space station in there. and. W- so we put our spacesuits on, we'd be on the platform and they would raise up with a crane and lower us into the water. And before they did that, every 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 single time we did, it, the controller would say, uh, you guys ready? And Mike would say, I was born ready. I, was born ready. <laughs> I don't remember what I used to say, but that's I remember what you, I remember, I remember that's what you used to say every time. So, Mike, thanks for thanks for. Uh, joining uh oh, you
1: it, bet. It, it, it's it, fun to do this and, and actually just talk to you again too ron it's been a while
0: it's been a, it's been a while so we've got a we've got a lot to talk about and uh let me i just want to remind everybody let's pull up the, the comments um join in With this is a this is not just a conversation between two people it's a conversation with all of us everybody who's watching right now and i see people are joining uh from all over, all around the world there's alex dagan hey alex um Former head of science and technology for USAID, good to see you, Lana Rubin. Hey, uh, and if you have questions, uh, pop them in. There's there's Evan. Hey, Evan. Um, so yeah, just be be part of this, and Keith Heitner on board too. So we've got we got the New York contingent here. So uh, everybody's joining. Um, so why don't we start by just talking about? Um, you know, you you are uh, one of the leaders of Texas A&M University. Uh, what is the plan for the fall and, and getting, getting students
1: back being educated again? <laughs> so. This is hard. It really is. We're, we're, I'm very actively involved in those discussions. In fact, I just stepped out of one uh, to jump in here uh, with, with the top leadership in uh, College Station. We are moving forward to bring students back on campus. In fact, I've had my first group of uh, students on campus this week. Uh, to be, you know, we started a slow, slow move into the residence halls or the dorms. And we had uh, students go through what we call a howdy week and a, like a freshman camp. And, uh, and, and it's important to bring them in because it's different. It's not, you know, anything we've done before. Certainly they haven't done before. Um, but it means uh, masks when you're outside of your private office where I'm located now or your private dorm room. If you're in any public place uh, uh, inside, you're wearing a mask 100% of the time uh, except when you're sitting at the cafeteria table, those seating is greatly spread out to get the physical distancing. And we, we're we're not saying social distancing anymore. We're saying physical distancing and we want social connections. Okay. Part of what we're talking about here. Right. So, um, you know, bringing it back slow and helping everybody employees included getting used to these rules that we can do. One thing is we know that the students are, are, are so eager to get back. It, for me, I, I had the chance to talk to the group uh, two times uh, this week while they were there, while they were here. And they don't know what the uh, uh, college freshman experience was like last year or when their parents were in college. They don't know, but they're excited to experience it for themselves. And they recognize it's going to be different. And we're all working through this, but they're definitely excited to be here and for me it was a little strange because you know we haven't had students here in, in large numbers since uh, since spring break way back in march and the, the spring break that never ended uh, and even periods of time i i would worked here throughout but i'd go a month or more without seeing another you know person you know on campus and you know in my building for sure yeah. so, it's, it's exciting. At the same time, it's, it's a little, it's, uh, you know, to take, yep.
0: So I, I've heard of other universities stretching out their day. Uh, so they have more classes so that they could have less students in each class. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We've got to space them out. We're using a, a conference center room for a a larger classroom. Now we're starting the day at, uh, you know, Eight in the morning classes start, they'll be going till eight in the evening. To, a little more time between classes to allow clearing of the halls. Uh, midday, we're taking a break, no classes for a period of time midday, and we'll do a full full sweep uh, uh, to uh, to clean, uh, you know, to get, do a deep clean and uh, the classroom spaces and labs in the middle of the day.
0: Yeah, I just just didn't mean to jump in there, but I just popped up the note from Michael Flood. Uh, if anybody is having a problem hearing this, uh, let us know and we'll, we'll see see what we can do. Um, so here's
1: a uh, a note from... Yeah, I saw, that. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, some people are deciding not to. I, absolutely, absolutely. That's a, uh, you know, I completely support, uh, you know, that. It's up to families to decide what to do. Uh, and I'm not, not meaning to, uh, to denigrate that personal decision people are making, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can do. Um, and you know, we can't stop students from going off campus and socializing in town. Uh, we're encouraging them not to, but you know, they are college students. Um, and so, you know, it, what we're, we, we are going with a mix. Uh, many of our classes will be, uh, will be taught online. Um, all of them will be available online, uh, it there weren't that the classes, if there's a face to face class, we'll be broadcasting it also, but it's pedagogically there, it's not really set up to be an online instruction. So it's available for viewing, but, uh, you know, so we're, we're, we're working through those things. We've got the technology in every classroom and every laboratory now, so we can, uh, record it and push it out. Are you putting in place testing and uh, contract, contact
0: tracing protocols as well? we
1: got contact tracing set up here. We've got testing set up here. The Texas A&M University system is providing tests. We don't have 100% coverage for all the people on the campus, but we started administering tests here um, just over a week, a week and a half ago. We've administered uh, about 100 tests and uh, so far 100% negative, which is great. We're doing... Yeah. Uh, the the student leaders and uh, staff members that we're working with the incoming freshmen this week, were all tested ahead of time. So we've got a, a we will be doing, you know, random testing as well as people that are in high contact areas will be doing more frequent testing.
0: Okay. Is is masks in the classroom mandatory?
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: All right. All right. You know, I, li- I live in a college town right now and I just, <laughs> there seems to be a lot of, a lot of uh, college parties uh, on the front lawns of
1: houses, and I, I don't see any masks.
0: Or... Yeah, yep,
1: uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the, the, the the students that were on board this week, um, there was a little bit of pushback the first day. But by the second, third days, you know, they're just they're flexing with it. And so it's like, OK, that that helps a lot.
0: All right. Well, we've got a, we've got a lot of questions. we um, got it. So let me uh, let me pop up some of these right now. Um, the first one I think is going to change our change our our topic. Where is it? Um, oh, there it is. So so here's a question from Evan. Uh, what's it like taking the first step out into space, knowing your miles up? So so uh, so so Mike, I I told you that I'm writing this new book, Floating in Darkness. Right? You're you're a major character in the, in this book, and oh, I, okay. I, and I. And you're also in the book, besides being a major character in the book. So, <laughs> so, see, now that I'm an author, I can use words, you know, right. in multiple ways, right? So, so um, they're they're obviously the our first uh obviously I talk actually I talk about 3 of our spacewalks in the book okay. uh, briefly uh, obviously starting with with the first one and I remember um you know when when I went out the door for the first time and I'm about to embark on the most you know incredible thing I can imagine doing step out stepping out into the vacuum of space you know wearing nothing but a thin little spacesuit um and you being the old head having done three previous spacewalks you know had some words of advice for me uh, but let me let me preface this with you know when you open the hatch so so you were in heads head first into the airlock I was in feet first all and we're after we get in shoved into the airlock all of all of our tools and equipment get shoved into and there's basically no room to move we're like you know yeah. sardine sardines inside a tin can and um, we get the go from uh from Hawk, uh, Ken Ham to, that we're we're cleared to open the hatch and head outside. So you open the hatch, and as soon as the hatch opened up, it's just the airlock flooded with this blue light of earth shine, you know, reflected light from the from the earth. And you, so I watch your feet uh retreat away from me out through the hatch. I flipped over and I start handing out everything. You know, I made my way to the source of the earth shine, right? This big hole in the bottom of the space station, this circular hole, which is the hatch. Hand out everything, and then as the old as the old head, as my mentor, you had some words of advice for me. Do you remember what the words of advice were?
1: Sure you do not look down.
0: Yeah, don't look down. So, but I had to look down. Down was the way out, right? So, uh, so it was uh, it was pretty amazing uh, on that. I don't know about for, for, with your first time, but my first time it seemed it seemed surreal, as if as if I was watching something unfold, a movie like a video. Right. No, so, so, um, what was, what was your, what was your, what, what are some of the most memorable experiences on the EVA that you've had? Uh,
1: that, that, that first step, like yeah. you said, it is, nothing prepares you for it mentally. All of the, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of hours we trained in the pool and, and it, even getting in and out of the airlock and managing the safety tethers and stuff. But for me, it was sliding out of the airlock and I went out feet first. So I actually hadn't seen outside until, my helmet cleared the hatch and i'm oh just, wow and so it's like and the, for me i remember that the space station suspended just just beautiful shining the colors and light reflecting off of it is and uh a, very different from the pool where it's well it's you know a little you know get a little you know grungy and like in paint and stuff like that and a support structure and uh and the bottom of the pool is six feet below you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, then I remember looking down and there's a space shuttle hanging off the end of the station there. That's our ride. And my eyes followed that. And I looked down 250 miles to the ground going by at five miles a second and nothing between my toes, you know, in the surface of the earth. Well, there was some atmosphere way down there, but I just like, whew, I felt my hands tighten up. <laughs> and I looked at Pierce Sellers, who was, you know, my uh, senior spacewalker, and he was grinning as he watched the emotions played across my face. Did he tell you not to look down? He gave me. Oh, he told me lots of stuff. He <laughs> he didn't say anything at first. He just gave me a little wink and a nod in his very British yeah. uh, uh, way. It's like you got this, Michael.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So hey, uh, we got a note from uh, from Tim. Nice shirt, Mike. <laughs> so so I, I wore this shirt in honor of you, Mike. This STS-124 yeah. shirt.
1: So you bet, uh, you bet. And, I, I, and I couldn't find my one twenty at my uh 20 Expedition 28 shirt this morning, and uh, grabbed mm-hmm. an Expedition 29, and Tim Gagnon uh was the uh, chief artist for that patch, yeah, yeah. So, so
0: you mentioned Pierce, Pierce yeah. Sellers, um, what a, what a great human, and I, I had the opportunity to spend some time with him, uh, yeah, probably about Four months before he passed away, he, he's a great, great astronaut, a great spacewalker. Uh, unfortunately, c- contracted c- cancer and pa- passed yeah. away. Um, a great champion of our planet, he devoted the the last few years of his life to trying to raise awareness about about global warming. He's a, a climate scientist, and I remember I I, I was with uh, Mark Kelly and myself and Pierce were, were were cooking, um, baking pizzas out in the desert together. Um, and I, I mentioned to him, I said, you know, you're kind of my grand mentor uh, because you are you are Mike's EVA mentor and Mike was my EVA mentor. That makes you my grand mentor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so but but what what a what a great what a great guy. Uh, what a loss. What a loss um, for the pla- for the planet. That, yeah. yeah. So let me uh, let me see some others. I'm scrolling through the questions here. There's a there's a bunch of them. Um, Here's one on, on pilot training, uh, training pilots is a challenge during COVID it's a great time to take the time to learn how to manage risk. So, um, yeah, I imagine uh, pilot training is pretty tough right now. Um, uh, although in, in jet fighters, you're wearing a mask anyway, an oxygen, uh, oxygen mask. So you are somewhat, uh, isolated there. But the second part of that, uh, question about managing risk, um, that, that's probably a good topic of discussion right now because you, as a, a leader of Texas A and M University, uh, you are in charge uh, or one of the people in charge of managing risk right now. You know, because and balancing risk, right? So there's 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 a a risk benefit trade off that you have to that you have to manage. You have to mitigate the risk to the students and the faculty, um, but you also have to you have to educate folks too. So you're trying to balance all that. Can you speak to that at all?
1: No, it, it, and folks, I just want to say hi to Pam Olson too. It's like, oh, wait a minute, I know you. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, it it, it, it is, and we're unprecedented times. We've you know we've talked about that, and and uh, it's it's a strange time for the country in in every possible way. And you know, how do we how do we you know get businesses reopened? I you know. We can't shut down the world. We've got to figure out what we can do, and we've got to manage the risk associated with it. So that's what we're all trying to do, whether we're running a business or running a family. Um, uh, you know, my, I have a daughter with with four kids, and you know, they can only stay cooped up in the house so much, and so they're yeah. making decisions about who they do spend time with, you know, and who they don't. I had another son with his family were were visiting us uh, a few weeks ago. They just moved home from. Five years overseas, and uh, but my daughter said, you know, we're around too many other people, and we probably don't want to come mix all those associations together. So that's that's the kind of things. Melanie and I are heading to Dallas to Dallas for a uh, family wedding. We're going to be kind of helping out with some grandkids where the parents are more involved, and uh, you know, and, and making decisions about are we going to stop in and see other other family that are in the area? And I think the conclusion was not. We probably just ought not to right now. Yeah stuff. Um, we're, you know, and, and the same thing on campus. That's why we're doing some of our classes for, you know, or will be delivered online and we're saving the in-person stuff for when we get into the laboratories and uh, the other hands-on kind of uh, instruction and field work uh, that we have here.
0: So, so you know, a lot of the students, especially like the freshmen that are coming on board, you know, they're, this, College is a new experience to begin with. They're away from home for the first time. A lot of folks are coming right out of you know months of isolation uh, into that. There's obviously the threat of, of getting COVID. There, a lot of a lot of kids might be coming from families who whose parents don't have jobs anymore, uh, and there's financial. So there's a lot there's a lot of stress. There's, there's a lot of mental health issues um, that are associated with what's going on. And is how are you guys dealing with that? Is are the things that that you're putting in place to help students deal with the, you know, the, the ramp up in, in, the, in stress that, that uh, we'll see.
1: Absolutely. We're doing it. I mean, for the students, now the students and I got to talk to a bunch of them and they, that they, you know, they so much, you know, want to be moving forward. They're not sure what it looks like. And we're, we're working on it together, but they want to be moving forward. And they're very clear about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the many of them, they, there was almost nothing, nothing really effective done for their education since, since March. Right. Right. Everybody kind of shut down and schools did their best to cope. I think at the university level, we, we might've had more tools, more technology available to, to start pushing. We started offering online classes with, you know, we extended spring break one week and we were, you know, we were online. It was, it was far from perfect, but if we were getting it done and they're older students, more disciplined. some struggled, some, some, some dropped. You know, they just couldn't uh, they couldn't make the adjustment. I have two kids in college right now. One's uh, working on a master's degree and uh, he found it to be horrible because he's a very interactive social person. Mm-hmm. And he likes the dynamics of being in the classroom a lot. Our, our youngest one is uh, fine. If he never went into a classroom again, he'd be fine. He wants to get in and he's saving, you know, his exposure time for a lab. He's going to be doing a, a, a lab. He's really excited about in this, uh, in this next year. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, uh, let, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about isolation for, for yeah. a minute. Here's, uh, here's a, here's, here's a question. So we, we spent how many months together in space? Uh, <laughs> uh, have you, have you been, five,
1: four to five? Yeah. Four or five months. So, so, um, I'm sorry, we can't. The statute of limitations expired. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> so uh, that's a good segue into talking about life in isolation, right? Because, because you know, we have we have both had a career dealing uh, functioning in in a hostile environment, and a lot of types, a lot of times that was isolated. You know, when we launch, whether you know, if we both times that we launched. Well, I can't speak for your Soyuz flight, but I know on the shuttle flight, you know, we had a couple of days in space on this on the shuttle before we docked to the space station and got, and got to a somewhat spacious environment. Uh, um, were you a direct uh, rendezvous or, or? on? No, your, no, you know?
1: we were a two day rendezvous.
0: That's right. Yeah. Now I remember that now. So, yeah. So both of us spent, you know, two and a half days cooped up in a teeny little spacecraft um, before we hit the hit the space station. We really. like. Cross. Yeah, yeah, tumbling around the earth, uh, yeah. tumbling around the earth, which I, I really, I, I really enjoyed the, those couple of days. Although our we had a malfunction on our spacecraft, and it required us to keep the temperature on full cold, so it was I was it was pretty cold. It was pretty cold. Um, Got that. But um, dealing with isolation, and you, you know, there's. There's a lot of things that we did to deal with isolation. One is one is to find time to have fun, right? I mean, to do things that that are fun. Um, there. you want? To, I I have an example I can give,
1: but do you have anything you want to say about that? Well, you know, you know, you've got to find ways to break up the patterns, you know, and 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 we find that you know in space we find that now coping with stuff and uh you know different ways to break up the patterns and maybe to bring a little bit of joy into your life or to bring it into your life by helping bring it to somebody else yeah, yeah and uh you know and so i think that was you know when we were up there and i gotta i gotta preface it before we get into it you know we had some stressful times up there yeah because it was uh i mean we had the last space shuttle flight in july and we were the last flight. Well,
0: oh, you weren't there yet. Well, we, we had right before you got there. We had the last flight of Endeavor, and then we had
1: the last flight of Atlantis, which was the last flight of any shuttle ever. The last of a 30-year program, right? In, in July of 2011, and and when they left, it was like, "Wow, that's the end of that." There, yeah. there, there, we'll never see a flying space shuttle again. Uh, and uh, you know, it was really cool to be part of that. And then, when was it that the Progress? Uh, the, the Russian resupply. That was
0: that was two weeks before uh, I was supposed to return wow. with my two Russian Russian crewmates. Or October. Yeah. Uh, no, it was it was earlier than that. So so we had a a, a Russian uh, cargo yeah. ship uh, have have an accident that that initially was going to delay um, my flight's return by wow. two months. Yeah. Well, that that was, that was which, led, which led to some songwriting.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, that, <laughs> You know, that, that rocket was very, very similar to this yeah. the one they use for launching humans. Right. And so we, we knew within a minute, I mean, on board, we said, oh, this is a big deal. We had enough food and, yeah. and probably enough other supplies because that last space shuttle had really filled our pantry. Uh, but it was still a big deal because, you know, figuring out what failed in a rocket and what you're going to do to fix it is hard. So we were we were actually pretty worried about that. And we figured out right away you know, there's no way Ron and his guys are going home because yeah. we, need a, we need a full crew up here. Right. You were supposed to come home in two weeks. And yeah. all of a sudden the rumors started flying that it was going to be two months. Yeah. And I was supposed to get home, you know, before Thanksgiving. And I called my, you know, talked to my wife and said, don't believe anything you hear. I won't be home until New Year's. Yeah. You know, it's they're going to. It's,
0: it's so, funny. I got, I got the call up and they and they asked me. Uh, Ron, you know we we, um, we think we might have to delay your return uh, by two months. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? And I said, has the decision to delay two months already been made? And they said, yes, it's already been made. I said, then I think it's a great idea.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but it you know it's the same. Well, we salute and we do what we what we're called to do at the same time, especially when you get into two weeks like that. It, it's a, it's a blow, you know yeah. Yeah. it. It really is because you're you love what you're doing, but you're kind of ready for this to be over. As awesome as it is, oh, yeah. you're kind of looking forward to a hot shower and real food. So, say, you know, we started doing some stuff to have a little bit of fun.
0: Yeah, so do, do sometimes some crazy stuff. Here, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show everybody one of the crazy things we did, and and we made this this video. Um, and I won't show the whole thing. I'll put I'll put the link up for you guys to see it. But NASA is really really sensitive about. Putting commercial products in a video, and I made this video, and I watched it like 50 times before I saw a plot, a product placement in the in the in the in the in the in the video. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see if anybody can spot it. But one of our crewmates. Uh, and it's not Mike or I <laughs> decided in the middle of the video to do a little little product placement. So we'll see if you can catch that. I've never,
1: I've never noticed this.
0: Okay, well look, look, look carefully.
1: You know, I'm still hungry. You know, the space
0: business really makes me hungry. Well, maybe before we get the
1: dessert and stuff.
0: What, we you know eat a what? Little, we should eat a little more. You know what? You know what I'm really in the mood for?
1: Oh, I know what you're thinking.
0: What, what do you think?
1: I think we should do it. Yeah. Well, Let's call do, them. What do you think I'm in the mood for? Though? I think it's pizza. Pizza. Yeah. What do you What do you miss the most? It's a real bread, chewy yeah. bread, warm yeah. smell. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the pizza sauce, the pepperoni. I haven't had pizza in five and a half, no more than five and a half more months. More than five and a half months. Yeah, like
0: seven months. No pizza in seven months. I'm from New York. You know what that's like? Not having pizza in seven months. Yeah. That's, that's bad news, but you know there's these uh, these outfits that guarantee delivery within thirty minutes.
1: Thirty minutes. We've got guarantee a... anywhere thirty minute delivery. We got a phone, right?
0: That's right, anywhere. We've got a phone. Let's let's check it out and see see uh, see see if it works. That'd be cool, huh? Yeah. All right. oh, that, that would that would
1: work really good. Yeah, yeah that'll work good.
0: So we, where are we right now? Oh, we're over Africa. Thirty minutes, we'll be we'll be over Houston. Okay. Yeah, that'll be right about perfect. Oh, yeah. All right, let's do it. Eric. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, let's go. The payday the All right. <laughs> did you see it? Did you see the product placement? I did. <laughs> I, I don't know how I missed that. I mean, Satoshi's in the background. Holding up a candy bar, you know, with the label showing. Uh, so anyway, I won't I won't show the rest of that, but uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pop this up on the screen. This is uh, you can watch the whole video there. We we end up calling an outfit that uh, Gary guarantees delivery in 30 minutes, um, and so you, you could you could see, you could see yeah. waiting for the knock at the hatch. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So. Um,
1: yeah, that's uh, that, That's in. Yeah, Ryan got writing some music too. It's,
0: yeah, I don't have that video video queued up, but yeah, we, we played the ISS blues. So, so one of the one of the things that builds resilience in in you know isolation and expeditionary behavior and and, and all that is is to kind of roll with the punches and to, and like you said, Mike, to think about what the team the team is is going through. And right. so when when we got word that uh, we were going to be delayed two months, uh, on our return. You know, I realized that there were a whole bunch of people in mission control rooms around the world that are canceling vacations now and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So we made a silly video where I wrote a song called the ISS blues and we, and we, you know, <laughs> and made, made, made a silly video about it. And, um, the purpose of it was to try and, you know, cheer everybody up and, and, uh, and, uh, to put it, to, to put a light, spin on, on things. And, and I think, you know, humor is a really in, in important part of being able to deal with any crisis is to be able to, to see the silliness in, in the whole thing too. So,
1: you know, and, and the, it, it is it, a little bit of the humor and all. And, and I think a big part of it too, and we see that is, you know, is it, again, it's back to the terminology, social distancing, oh, physical distancing, we got to be socially connected, you know, and we had to be there for each other in space, you know, right. Because it was that the, when you find when you're in a stressful situation like that, none of us could go home. Uh, none of us could take a weekend off. Uh, none of us could take a run through the park. Uh, so, you know, we really were uh, in a can together, the, the six of us from three different nations. Um, you know, like that, getting through this, working through those emotions and all. You were already isolated, but we were busy and there was a, there was an end. You launched and you knew when you were coming home. And that's what was hard, was a sudden change of expectations. Is all of a sudden you're not going home in two weeks. The hot shower and your wife and family are not waiting for you, are not gonna be there in two weeks. Uh, they will, but you won't. Uh, and so, you know, it, just helping everybody deal with that, giving each other a little more grace, and I've seen exactly the same thing, you know, through here, tension, people are tired. Uh, you know, we've had, you know, so many people working just routinely right now at the university or working 12 to 14 hour days, seven days a week, trying, you know, as we're, we're working through all of the challenges that we have. And, you know, and it's just tempers flare a little bit sometimes, give them a little bit of space. And, uh, and also reach out, I I I mean, for me, something and people knew that it, you know, it, it, it i've been working hard uh, too and i i opened up a, a big envelope that showed up and i had uh, i had cards from you know my uh, my my folks from around the campus a lot of my uh, campus uh, uh you know the groups uh you know divisions uh from around the campus it written like thank you cards to me i've reread those cards a lot you know it and it's just that 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 touch saying thank you, even though I haven't seen them face to face now for months, uh, but still it's maintaining the human contact. So I try to reach out to at least one old friend a day just to say, hi, how you doing? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, we talk about this a lot in expeditionary behavior, and that is the importance of self-care, right? That you don't do the team or the mission or, or your company or your family any good if you yourself are, you know, you know, not getting enough rest, not, not getting enough downtime. Um, and so that's, that's really important. The other thing, and I think would what you bring up in this story about the cards is one of the best ways to boost your immunity, uh, or your immune system is through empathy and compassion and, and caring for others. Right. And so, uh, it's, that's a proven fact that when you, uh, when you demonstrate empathy and compassion for others that, that boost your immune system, it, it, it benefits yourself. And, and so, um, not only do we need to look for those telltale signs in others, uh, other people on the team that they're, you know, maybe getting a little short tempered or they seem tired or they're seem stressed or whatever, but we need to look, th- we need to look within too. We need to, we, we keep track of ourselves too. And I, I think that, uh, I think we're answering this question from, from Mike, uh, flood, um, But basically you know are there there pearls of wisdom mentally facing isolation and loneliness that are not too obvious nor easily read on
1: by the on the internet so um yeah yeah. i've got got some thoughts on that and for me i found the same thing in space because i i tend to work Hmm. too many hours and not sleep enough hours and i i had i definitely had that happen in space and you you may have a have, have a few paragraphs about when i get grumpy uh, you know, in your upcoming book, I don't know. But I, I, I would realize I'm starting to get a little short. You know, I would, my temper would, emotions would be raw. And I realized I was just out of emotional reserves and something that wouldn't normally bother me started to come out. And I realized I wouldn't get enough sleep. And I, I and so I would, would even on orbit, trying to force myself to get a little more sleep. I, I got the exercise up there because I was part of, I was a test subject in a program where I had to get the exercise on a regular schedule. But in early in this COVID shutdown, um, I, I did the same thing. I wasn't sleeping nearly enough, and I was not exercising for the first few weeks. There was just so much to do; I couldn't justify that. Uh, I just wasn't taking the time, and uh, and I realized I was getting really run down. And I can't, I I can't keep up this pace. I have got to, I've got to. I've got to moderate. I've got to make sure I get the rest that I need. And I've got to start getting some exercise. And so I, I started doing that on a very regular basis, uh, always riding the edge of not enough sleep, but uh, getting the exercise in there, good nutrition. And I have not gained weight during this. I've been very careful. And, uh, but uh, you know, self-care, you've got to take care of yourself, manage your own emotional reserves. So you've got a little extra to help buddy out
0: yep, yep. Um, just gonna pop this up on the screen real quick uh, this is from Aaron Sharoni. yes the here's here's where you make the comments and questions so anybody who wants to join in this conversation uh, just put him if you're watching on YouTube or you're watching on Facebook it doesn't matter we'll, we'll just type them in the comment section and we will we will see that um, So here's a here's something from Gail asking for your advice on incoming freshmen.
1: Hello Gail good to see you. Good Aggie mom there, Squadron 3 Aggie mom. Uh, you know, I think it's it's as I, I, I actually talked to a bunch of the students yesterday and I, I asked them all, I asked them something. It's my advice as I asked them to stand up and give their name, uh, where they're from, and then not their major. I don't wanna know your major. I wanna know what's your dream. What do you wanna accomplish in the next 40 years? What big thing do you wanna be proud of having done? And uh, it was really interesting to hear that. And, uh, you know, some of them are very specific and, uh, and they, they knew what path, you know, where they wanted to go. And some were very, I'm not sure, or, 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 you know, I want, I want to do good for people. And went, great. That's great. That these were all engineering students. And I told them, uh, you, you know, your task in the next months ahead is to figure out what part of this engineering stuff really rings a bell, gets you excited because in order to persevere, in order to be successful, you've got to have a vision. You've got to have something that is driving you to stay up, to, to, to gut your way through the calculus and physics and the chemistry and all that uh, great stuff. It's hard stuff for almost all students, but the ones that are driven with a purpose, they get through it.
0: So Mike, I don't know the answer to this. Maybe, maybe you do, um, but training and launching of a flight crews right now, um, I mean, they, they're dealing with COVID just like everybody else. So do you, do you have any insight into
1: yeah, I Yeah, some from uh, the, uh, you know, of course, the, the training, it, it's gotten harder, uh, much smaller teams. Most of NASA is not working on site right now uh, at, uh, at Johnson Space Center. I'm sure it's at other centers, too. Uh, the crew training has to be done. It has to be, you know, but they've, they've shifted what they can offline, but you've got to be in the simulator and you've got to have people that are, that, are, that are supporting you. So they're all wearing the PPE. I'm sure they're going through uh, frequent testing. The pre-quarantine period was already uh, pretty stringent. Uh, I, I, I have not, I, I do not have any insights for what it's like for the crews that are uh, training in Star City. Yeah. Uh, or other countries around the globe i have not heard uh, i haven't heard about that but uh the pre-quarantine was already pretty uh, yeah. uh probably pretty uh, pretty rigorous especially uh, in uh, Kazakhstan before we launched on the russian uh Soyuz rocket that's gotten it's gotten worse longer smaller groups and nobody traveling uh you know no guests going over to russia or almost uh, i think none over to russia there were a very very Small number of people even that went down to the uh, Doug and uh, Bob's launch, SpaceX launch. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, let's talk about SpaceX launch for a second, because um, it it was funny that you and I were on the space station when uh, Atlantis undocked for the last time. And and Fergie, the the commander of, of Atlantis, brought up a flag. American flag that flew on STS-1, so it flew on the la- on the first space shuttle and it flew on the last space shuttle, right? Yeah. And so Fergie uh, was the was the commander of mission and Doug Hurley was the pilot, and they handed the f- flag over to us to uh, to put onto the forward hatch of of, of uh, space station yeah. of of of, 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 the, of the of the hatch that the the shuttles uh, dock to, and yeah. when we closed the hatch when those guys flew through the hatch and we closed it we were closing a chapter on the U.S. space program. Over a year chapter. And, you know, what we said at the time uh, in, in that press conference was, you know, when we open that hatch, when a, when a new spacecraft uh, that launches from American soil docks to, to that hatch and we open it, we will be opening up a new chapter of space exploration that will take us beyond low Earth orbit. And so it, we, we always joked that this was the capture the flag to see who was going to be the first one to capture the flag. And what was funny was the two of the guys that were competing to go, capture the flag were Fergie and, and Doug Hurley. Um, and uh, you couldn't have imagined that. Yeah. And so Doug's up there right now with Bob Benkin, and uh, you know both those guys are astronaut classmates of mine, and Doug is a test pilot school classmate of mine too. Um, And so that was a you know we we got to be part of that history, and now we see now we get to see that unfold and see see that next chapter open up. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, it was number one. It was really somber. I mean, when Atlantis backed away. That, okay. uh, we closed that hatch. It was a whirlwind of activity for that. Yeah,
0: I remember somebody opened up some shutters to take pictures that maybe wasn't supposed to be doing. I that.
1: Uh, I
0: don't know who that was. Really good
1: photos. i heard <laughs> of, <laughs> of Atlantis backing away. I wasn't going to miss that shot. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really a rule breaker often, but uh, I wasn't. I didn't gonna say miss- it was you. I just said somebody. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, somebody did it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was pretty it was actually pretty somber because, it, you know, when they backed away, we knew that was that was the end of an era. And it was all of a sudden got really quiet on the space station. One of the odd things we shut the hatch and they stayed attached overnight. And then they yeah. didn't actually depart until the next day. Yeah, Like you just wanted to knock on the door and say, hey, come on, let's have dinner together one more time. <laughs> but uh, it was it, it, who would have thought. I mean, we couldn't have imagined at that time. It would be almost nine years. Yeah. Before somebody came up to claim that flag, but I think it's really cool that uh, Doug Hurley was, uh, you know, on. He he put it there, and he came to get it back nine years later. And and Chris Ferguson will be up there soon. I'm, I'm cheering for Boeing and their team.
0: Yeah, I remember Sandy Magnus was on that crew too, and I remember we were trying to talk Fergie into trading uh, you for Sandy, but he he (laughs) (laughs) He wouldn't do it. she was, she was a, she was a, a inventory machine.
1: Oh. oh yeah. 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 Great.
0: So, so do you remember a uh, cupola corners? So here's a oh, yeah note about cupola corners. Yes. Chris, I think Chris Ferguson was the first one. So yeah. cupola, cupola corner was a, this, like, like we were saying, you know, you have to come up with things to have fun, right? You have to have come up with things to break, break the monotony of isolation. And one of those things uh, that I did was to have these interviews uh, and I called him Cupola Corner, and I, I, that was inspired by something called Kiner's Corner, which was uh, Ralph Kiner was a, a Mets announcer back in the okay. '70s, I guess. And after the after the Mets game, he would you know pull somebody who was you know a VIP of the or MVP of the uh, of the game and and interview them about the game, right? And so so I, I started this thing called Cupola Corner, and it was about the human experience of being in space and what it meant uh, to do that and i remember we did it we did an episode you and i uh and i did it with my russian crew crewmates and and uh and uh and japanese crewmates and it's it was it's amazing how you know all it doesn't matter where you come from what your background is um that same on wonder of being in space i think really really shines through
1: yeah so yeah, it was, it was, you know, fun to do that. And one of the great things, you know, space shuttle mission was, it was short, intense, and you really had barely any time to look out the window. So one of the great things about living on the space station was you had a little bit of free time on the weekends, you know, and you can't run the shuttle short mission pace, two week mission pace for six months. And so, you know, that was one of the real joys was getting to, uh, well, getting to look out the windows and stuff, but also getting to connect with people. So I, I was a scoutmaster at the time. And I did a Scoutmasters conference with every all 35 boys in my troop from space. You know, how cool was that? It was cool to do. And and that was part of, again, back to the, what do you do in the isolation? You find ways to reconnect to normalcy. So my guys were right. used to talking to me when they were ready for their next rank. They would do a, a Scoutmasters conference as part of the last steps. And I maintained the normalcy by doing it with them. It was over a phone radio link kind of thing, but it was a way to maintain some normalcy there. And uh, we were able, fortunately, from the space station to call our, call our wives, you know, try to call them, you know, every day. And we had a video conference every weekend. And so we connected to our loved ones via video, kind of like we're connecting to our loved ones around the country via video right now.
0: Yeah. And, and practical jokes go a long way too. <laughs> i remember a few do you, do you remember any
1: oh something about a rabbit head oh there that was that yeah that was fun
0: yeah
1: no, don't but don't tell anybody about that one no
0: you? no we can't tell anybody about that the statute of limitations has not expired on that um but i remember one one time um i i, I was actually on the phone a
1: real rabbit head
0: okay. yeah yeah <laughs> you know I was I was on the uh, I was on the we like Mike said, we, we have a, a, a onboard phone and I got word up from somebody who who knew uh, George Bush senior, the fir- first president, George Bush, um, that he was uh, feeling ill and that would appreciate a call from space. And so I, I called him. I was on the phone with him. And I remember uh, at some point during the conversation, I said, um, Mr. President, you know, my my crewmate, Mike Fossum, uh, you know, he's a Texas A&M grad. And, you know, uh, I know you have the library there and everything. He would he would really enjoy uh, saying hi. Is it okay if I put him on the phone? Oh, Of course. Yeah. So I knocked on your on your hooch. and said, hey, Mike, I got a friend uh, that wants to say hi to you. Do you mind saying hi to to my friend? (laughs) He said, sure. And then uh, then President Bush was on the other line. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah that was good that got me all right <laughs> yeah. oh yeah I uh, he's he is a beloved in aggie land yeah. so he and his wife barbara just they they became the just the hugest aggies ever and it yeah, was yeah. Uh, neat to talk to him. and they, i think they were at kind of at that time and he wasn't feeling very well so yeah need to talk to him and, and other people we had the chance to reach out to people sure. who were really good at that yeah So,
0: you know, when we were up there, there was a number of things going on. I remember there were, there were some really big forest fires. There was a number of hurricanes and it's, it's kind of a weird thing to be up there when disasters are happening on the ground. And, you know, I can only imagine what it must be like now for folks uh, to be up on the space station when everything that's going on uh, around the world with with COVID-19 and everything that's associated with that, whether it's the, you know, the economic implications and, uh, Everything. I mean, we're we're living through pretty dramatic times right now. I, I like to, I like to classify this period of time right now as as we're going. We're in the midst of the great transition. Yep. we are. We are in a transition right now, and yeah. we're going to come out the other side somewhat different. What are your thoughts on on just what it what what it's like to be going through? I mean, the things that we the things that were happening on the ground when we were there were not as no as as, as no. We were fortunate.
1: Nothing. Yeah. It was. Nothing, you know, huge going on in the world. Uh, Well, and we did see. I mean, uh, Superstorm Sandy coming up the yep. East Coast. I yep. remember doing live weather reports and looking yep. at that. And hurricanes. When you've been through them on the ground, and I've been through a bunch, they're just they're just as terrifying to see from up above. And that one was a big ugly one. Uh, and and what I remember about that one too was the you know the, you see it coming and it's coming and it and then it's it's on the it's hitting the shore so you know what's going on on the ground down there and the next day there was still a lot of clouds it was probably two days later that the storm had moved on and the sky was clear and we were flying up the east coast and you and you can't really see that the, the direct damage but what i remember seeing were these plumes of muddy water that were running off of the east coast and making these big plumes of, of brown muddy water out into the atlantic and that represents the flood waters and homes and, right. and everything else that's being carried. Um,
0: I think I think it makes you feel more connected to. I mean, because you you're, you feel like you're there. I mean, it's yeah. you're seeing it. You're seeing it happen with your own eyes um, from a different perspective. Yeah. But
1: in a way, but you know, we were also fortunate. Nothing you know tragic happened in our in our in our families or you know immediate loved ones and stuff like that. So uh, you know it. it, it I think that's when you're really, really hurting. Yeah. And we've had, we've had friends, you know, and, and even crewmates uh, that have, have had things like that happen while they're on orbit that are, that are just family tragedies that you're separated from. And, Ron, that's exactly the thing that's going on right now. Yeah. Uh, my mother-in-law's in, a, in an assisted living facility, and we can't see her. We go, right. we go stand at the window. And, you know, and, I, and, you know, and I, I grieve about that. I don't know if I'll ever get to hug her again. Right. I don't know when this is going to reach the point of safety, you know, where it would be safe to. they And, and uh, you know, and she's had some medical problems during this time. And that's the kind of stuff that's really, uh, you know, really, uh, really hurt, you know, really causing the heartache in the biggest way. For other stuff, you know, we're hunkered down, uh, you know, and, and life is changing and we're coping. And uh, I know I have not been watching any Netflix or, you know, or other stuff, but you know, it's those are the kind of things that hurt that we're still sorting out.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really good point. Everybody, whether they're in space or their feet are planted firmly on the ground, is in an expeditionary um, situation where there there is a level of isolation being put on everybody that you just can't jump on a plane and go be with a loved one, even if even if it's their last moments. Um, and that's what we face. That's the biggest fear on the space station is that something happens to somebody on the ground. And you can't be there, and now that's happening to just about everybody um, yeah. so or, or everybody's in that position where if something happens that you know, they can't be they can't be there and so that, that that fear is hovering over everybody so
1: that that one has become so much more clear in the last uh, in the last couple of months to me that it's that one has taken a toll on everybody I've had friends yeah. You know, lose family members, loved ones, elderly parents. And, uh, you know, and, and there's this guilt that they they're not there with them. Right. Uh, just that pain. We're all yeah, we're all feeling it.
0: Yep. yep. Which, yeah. Which which we can transmute that that sorrow and that heartache into into a greater unity. Right. Because we we are all experiencing that together. And we I mean, that should be a way for us to to derive some empathy and compassion and, and solidarity out of that. Hopefully. Yeah. So let's, let's turn, let's turn, let's turn the view around a little bit because uh, here's one of our, here's one of our viewers from Cork, Ireland. Um, You know, the other night uh, or last week, I guess, uh, Carmel and I, my wife Carmel and I uh, hiked up to uh, the Flatirons in uh, Boulder um, and and we sat out there and we were waiting for the the comet to, the, the comet. So we were waiting for the sky to get dark enough that we could see the comet. And yeah. without, I didn't know this was going to happen, but right where the comet was going to be, the International Space Station flew flew by, and you know, just to think that that star, that fast-moving bright star, you know, has got six people on it that you know, <laughs> yeah. it just flew through the comet. You know, not really, obviously, but if you helped build, yeah,
1: right. So, we helped both part of it together.
0: Yeah. So, so, what, what are your thoughts on when, when you go outside and you see the space station going over?
1: you know, two, one is I'll go out alone, you know, just to go see it when I know there's going to be a good pass. I've been known to pull my car off to the side of the road, checking my watch saying okay. And, uh, you know, and there it is. I also love sharing it with other people. I I was at a uh, a, a, a Texas A&M former Students Association Leadership Retreat in Whistler, Canada, uh, last, uh, last October. And uh, we were pretty high in the mountains. I'd never been to Worcester before. And uh, there were, you know, a number of people there and I had the, the ISS uh, tracker app on. And I said, hey, come with me, come with me. And uh, we're way north, right? We're pretty close to 51 north. And so the station made multiple passes every night. And, uh, you know, and I, what are we gonna look at? Just, just stay with me. You know, and we're watching and here it comes. And I said, that's the space station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know and and uh, so sharing it with other people and we we emptied out the the uh, you know the lobby area of the restaurant as people were hollering and, and uh you know bringing more people out to see it yeah and so it, it's really neat to do that it's like you can see it yeah it's the biggest brightest thing in the sky except for the sun and the moon yeah uh, and uh anyway you know but just just to think of it and i helped design it as an engineer before i was an astronaut and then helped build it on spacewalks. And, you know, and we lived up there, put a big piece of our lives into that thing. And uh, it's so cool to see it, you know, still flying. Yep. Yep. Continuous human presence for 20 years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that's unbelievable. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it is indefinite. Yeah.
1: That it never, that it never ends. So, well, nothing's indefinite.
0: Well I meant I meant in depth, that forever from now on that we always have a human continuous human presence presence in space. So yeah. So speaking of shelter in place the, yeah. the the name of this little show we we got the, we had the opportunity if I could call it an opportunity to shelter in place on the space station. Do you remember that one?
1: Oh boy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was that was a scary day. That was probably the biggest scary day we had.
0: You know, it's, so so to bring everybody up to speed, we had um, a piece of space junk. Normally, so all the space junk that orbits the Earth above a certain size uh, is monitored, and if and if one is going to fly uh, close to the space station, uh, then we'll move the we'll move the orbit of the space station. We'll raise it or lower it to just get it out of the way. We'll just nudge the orbit a little. Bit. Yeah. But for whatever reason, there was a fairly large piece of space junk heading towards the space station. And we didn't know about it with enough time. So all we had uh, time to do was, well, we didn't have enough time to move the space station. What we did have enough time to do was close every single hatch <laughs> on the space station. And there were six of us on board. Three of us got into one Soyuz spacecraft. The other three got into the other Soyuz spacecraft and just and closed the hatch and uh, and actually took off medical um, metal clamps that held the spacecraft to the sp- yeah. space station. And so we are one push of a button away from undocking uh if we if we needed to and we i think we we had about 15 minutes to spare yeah but do you remember i just researching my book i just listened to the air to ground uh or the space to ground radio transmission (laughs) do you know what we were doing before we got into the drill of a a fire drill i mean why, why would we be doing a fire drill before an actual emergency but anyway we were uh, so we finished up the fire drill, and then uh, we did that. And we had about 15 minutes to think. Uh, and the objects uh, end up passing within 1,000 feet of the space station, traveling at 30,000 miles per hour.
1: That's, yeah. yeah. It would, if it's big enough to track, barely big enough to track, that's why they had a light read on it. Uh, that That's that's like parting your hair with a rifle bullet. Yeah. It it, uh, it it would have ex- it would have exploded the space station if it would have hit the pressurized a uh, pressurized part of the station. Right, it, right, the right. if we just unzip it, and and now I just found out my Milani is actually on <laughs> yeah. here, and she just heard some things she hadn't heard before.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> she, she was, well I think she probably got a phone call that like four o'clock yeah. in the morning that day. <clears throat> I know. Yeah. Car- I know. Carmel got a phone call saying, and she, she and Carmel asked one question: "Said, are they in the Soyuz? Did they close the hatch?" And they said, "Yes, they're in the Soyuz. Yeah. They closed it." The
1: so, yeah, we yeah we could do something about it, but it, it the, our our Soyuz was vulnerable too, and so you know we were praying that this thing would just pass. It was uh, it was uh, you know it would be a, it be a miss. And when we, when we, we worked our way, but kind of back toward the middle of the station then we had to work our way to our own individual Soyuz. And I remember, you know, we got, you know, shook hands and said, well, hope to see you in a few minutes. Yeah, for lunch. Hope to see you for lunch. Yeah. yeah. So I
0: remember thinking to myself, you know, we just, we just spent, I don't know, an hour or something of really tough work to get everything closed. We got a whole day of work ahead of us. If we don't, if we don't die in the next few minutes, we're going to have to undo everything we just did. So I, I did end up trying to take a nap for those fifteen minutes, but but in the background of it is there's something heading right for us, and yeah. you know we might have a few more minutes to live. <laughs> we
1: not see it, and they couldn't track it with that fidelity. They just knew it was yeah. be coming, scary close. They didn't know how close. Yeah. We didn't, We can't zoom the engines like they do in the movies, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Uh, yeah. It just didn't make any sense on a on a on a
0: show called conversation, sheltered in place to not talk about an actual, an actual sheltered (laughs) shelter in place
1: drill that we had from Evan. uh, If anything over one centimeter uh, could probably uh, breach. So uh, then they can't reliably track it until it's about 10 centimeters. So there's a lot of space debris that's between 10 and one.
0: Yeah. I, I I distinctly remember getting, I don't know if this was on the IP phone or whatever uh, of being told that the object is believed to be a spent up upper stage, which so, would be like a grain would be like a grain silo. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I don't yeah. think I don't think they ever really figured out what it was, but um, I remember I remember in the back of my mind thinking that something like a grain silo was heading towards
1: us. So, yeah.
0: so uh, yeah,
1: that that'd be bad. And the station's been hit by. By, uh, by significant things, there's there's right. there's been some holes punched through handrails that looked like uh, a, a broomstick pushed through wet clay, and uh, on our the- on
0: our space box, every you know going down the space space station, you'll you'll see craters on the on the yeah,
1: and the leading edge, especially like the PMA uh, two that's painted black, that's kind of into the you know into the wind, if you will, if you look at it closely, it looks like the road rash on a you know, uh, on an old Chevy truck with the uh, 200,000 miles on it with all those little tiny road chips. And- yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Mike, do you, I mean, we're, we're, we're coming up on the hour and or we are, we're over the hour. Um, do you have any parting words of advice or wisdom to folks about, you know, how to, de- you know, how to deal with this crisis that we're in? What, what things could look like on the other side? Um, isolation, hostile
1: environment, any, any of those things? You know, I, I before I, I jump into it, I want, I do, I want to do a quick shout to a couple of, you know, great Aggies near Mike Flood and Carol, uh, Carol Snowden, uh, good, very good friends uh, that are jumped in. But I think, you know, in general, we've talked about it, it in it, it, and, you know, it, it's taking a breath, taking care of yourself, taking care of those around you and recognizing we can't fix it all. We can't fix the world. And, uh, right now we, we have, I, 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 hate the words, you know, uh, back to normal or or new normal, because the truth is we have no idea what, what it's going to look like. It's going to be different. We know that there's a lot of forces tugging on us as a, as a planet, um, uh, and uh, as well as, as a nation and, uh, some of them, you know, very unexpected and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and intractable really hard. To, to work through and work with. And so just give everybody around you a little grace and realize everybody, everybody is hurting, you know, in some way. Yeah.
0: Every, everybody's, de- everybody's dealing with something. Um, and so, so, you know what, maybe to, I'm going to tell just one last story. If you give me two, two minutes, because there, there's, I, I well, it's, 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 it's my way of, of showing some gratitude to you for, for, the time that we've spent together, not only in space, but training to be in space, the four spacewalks we, we've done together, the shuttle mission we did together, the the, the months that we spent in space uh, during Expedition 2028. 20, uh, but, but probably the, <laughs> the thing that I'm going to thank you for the most is the end of the last spacewalk that we ever did. So, so Mike and I did the last space shuttle based spacewalk. We were the last two people to ever be in the payload bay of a space shuttle in space. Um, and when our space when our spacewalk was over, I you know we've been out six or seven hours, I don't remember. Uh, I was pretty happy to be back in the airlock. You know, we had all of our tools and equipment back in the airlock. All we had to do is Mike had to climb in, close the hatch, would check this one complete, you know, because well, spacewalks, believe it or not a pretty dangerous <laughs> and so it's always good when you're back inside and and you, you know well we don't we don't we're not doing it anymore so <laughs> but
1: you scared uh, my wife again
0: yeah but but it's it's a, it's water under the bridge yeah. so so um there i was inside the airlock the, the spacewalk was over and and mike says hey ronnie why not you why don't you come back out for a second and i'm like what's up mike he, well come out you'll see and so I come out, and I just see Mike hanging on the bottom of the airlock, big grin. I, you know, his his goal. It was night, so his gold visor is up. I can see his face, big grin on his face. And I look out over his shoulder, and I see this teeny tiny, like kind of like that right there. This teeny uh, tiny, this teeny tiny little glowing iridescent blue line. We were approaching into into orbital sunrise. And then I, right then, I knew exactly what was going on. We're probably never gonna. We're never gonna. Well. I, no 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 no, no limitations so you know we're never we're never gonna probably do a space spacewalk again and this is the last time we'll be outside in the vacuum of space and see a space uh, a sunrise let's just enjoy this so for the next five or ten minutes we just hung on the bottom of the space station okay. and uh, and watched the sunrise and with that I, I I remember I patted you on the shoulder I went back inside and you followed me in and that was the end of the the last space spacewalk of the space shuttle era,
1: right <laughs> glorious I that mean, was- to see that sunrise yeah you know and if yeah, 16 sunrises and 16 sunsets in a day right yep you go around the earth in an hour and a half but to just watch it develop from blackness and you can see i mean the the the, the stars the milky way is almost solid up there the stars with no twinkle it's just amazing when you can light adapt outside and the ground going by the moon you know, even uh, illuminating the ocean and the clouds, you see the city lights, you know, and all those kind of things coming by, but when you see that little bit of light on the horizon, it starts off with a small little bit and it grows and you see layers of the atmosphere with different shades of blue that are coming up. And the, the then the oranges and, and yellows start peeking in and it's spreading, it's getting taller and wider and you see all these layers. And then, Just the sun peeks over the uh, over the horizon, and it just nukes you in the face. It was so intense because we had our visors up, right? So you 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 get the full blast, and uh, that is the memory to lock in forever. Share it, brother.
0: Yep, and uh, you know of all the things I have to thank you for. Uh, thank you for, for that those five minutes or ten minutes for the most. So, yeah, so, and th- and thanks for being being on this in this conversation, and thanks for for all the the guidance and wisdom that you've shared. I'm, I'm sure it's going to help a, a lot of people, and and all the best to Texas A&M as they start uh, get ready to start the the, the next school year. I uh, hope it's a I hope it's a great year, and it, that uh, everything works out. Giggum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Right. It's been great to. Great to great to talk to you and share it with yeah. all the all the folks that you've got on this uh, this webcast and stuff. It's been a lot of fun. All right, all
0: the best, Mike. We'll hope to see you soon in the, in person. You bet. See, see. Thanks to everybody who tuned in, and thanks for all the great questions and comments. Yeah. All the best. Cheers. Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. And thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it looks from space.